Welcome to this new episode of The Context. Over the course of the past 20 years, we built incredible platforms for social media, social networks, where we engage as individuals, governments, corporations, brands, and it is almost inconceivable to believe that we could be without and that whether we are talking about WhatsApp or Facebook or Twitter or the other platforms, there was a world where these were not available to reach out and connect to others. This revolution has been very fast and it changed the way that we uh, look at our relationships and we like to criticize and highlight the negatives that uh, these platforms uh, brought us. However, in my opinion, there is a decided paradox in this. Social media eliminated barriers. Uh, it allowed the consumers formerly kept far and away to really engage with the producers of products and services, the brands, and this kind of ability to have a, an open conversation created a higher expectation of engagement, of accountability, uh, of uh, uh, responding very simply uh, to the needs in a very rapid feedback loop. If we look at how um, online products today evolve, they are very fast in becoming more adept in finding niches, in corresponding to the needs of uh, consumers. And of course, social media has also been able to give expression uh, to millions and tens of millions of different niches where YouTube channels and uh, Instagram accounts and uh, these days uh, TikTok uh, channels give rise to self-expression in people who wouldn't have been able to, on one hand, find an avenue for their ideas and their creativity. And on the other hand, they wouldn't have been able to find other people who were interested in the same things or enjoyed the same kind of expression. This ability to connect people where today we have over 2 billion people on various kinds of social networks and thanks to widespread connectivity through um, low Earth orbit satellite networks that are being launched as we speak and to the uh, fifth generation mobile networks, hopefully the number is going to grow uh, to the full 8 billion people on the planet soon. Well, this kind of participation is unprecedented. Obviously, it requires new kinds of thinking, new kinds of platforms, but also new behaviors, new rules, uh, uh, new regulations. And I would like to go through a series of examples 
of how paradoxical we are in our attitude towards social networks, of how often we complain without understanding the reasons of certain features or, or certain consequences. And without that kind of understanding, being able to move beyond and to improve these social networks so that they better correspond to what we want as a society is impossible. So the examples that I am going to cite um, are mostly applicable to Facebook, but many of them can be similarly applied to other networks as well. And as I am recording this here in Seoul, South Korea in December 2019, uh, of course these numbers hold, but uh, maybe in a few months will change and certainly in a few years will change. And maybe even the very platforms that are the protagonists and the leaders of uh, this ongoing revolution are going to be different. So let's start with the first example. On Facebook, currently you can have not more than 5,000 friends. Of course, the definition of what does it even mean to have 5,000 friends rather than 50 or 5 uh, is already a question that we can seriously ask. But many people reach that limit and then they start complaining that they cannot have more. But imagine a world where you can have an unlimited number of connections, regardless of the term that you use to label those connections. What would be the value, what would be the meaning of that unlimited number of direct connections? The density of the network among all the people would tremendously increase but understanding why somebody is connected to somebody else would become much more difficult, exactly because there wouldn't necessarily be a reason. Being able to curate, being able to massage, being able to rediscover the meaning of a given connection is what starts from the ceiling because it imposes you to this kind of re-evaluation. I am personally at that limit and I receive a lot of connection requests and I evaluate each of them very carefully. If, for example, you uh, only share links to photos or videos or memes or articles without ever commenting on them, without ever adding any value of your own, illustrating your thought process and why you believe that particular piece of information is worth sharing, then for me it doesn't make sense to have a direct connection. Everything I post on Facebook is public, so you will be able to follow those posts even if we are not connected and my own feed is not going to be diminished by the fact that uh, we are not directly connected exactly because what I care about is the value added by my direct connections through what they write, what they create, giving a context to what they are sharing. Another platform, LinkedIn, uh, is 
characterized by the presence of certain um, members who, after their name, write lion. And for a long time, these four uppercase letters didn't mean anything to me uh, beyond the animal, but it turns out that it is an acronym for LinkedIn No Open Networking. And these people have a completely opposite understanding of uh, the value of a social network from me, because what they pledge is that they will accept any incoming connection request. So for me, that is perfect because anybody wanting to connect to me who has the name um, suffixed by lion is a perfect filter for me to deny that request because of how distant uh, our um, evaluation of the value of the social network is. Now, with the number of connections, very naturally, the number of pieces of uh, information that the network needs to show you uh, increases. Indeed, if the network wants to show you everything, to the point where it becomes humanly impossible to absorb all the pieces of information shared by all the connections chronologically, and whether it is on Facebook or on Twitter more recently, the platforms resort in order to improve the quality of the experience on the platform to algorithmic filtering of the news feeds. And here we are also always up in arms and we say, oh, how is it possible that the platform is picking what I should see? I pretend I want to see everything all my connections, friends share every time, all the time. But this request is very naive because that number, when your connections um, grow to the, to, to, to the limit or close to the limit, is excessive. You wouldn't be able to read, you wouldn't be able to comment, enjoy, absorb all that information. So filtering of any kind is necessary. What is it? Could it be that you only see what anybody posted in the past hour or what anybody posted uh, within 20 or 100 kilometers uh, from where you are or any other very elementary filter? Could be. Or it could be something more sophisticated based on your own behavior where, for example, you are seeing more likely uh, the posts from people with whom you have interacted in the past. Now, every platform makes it possible for you to curate the list. You can select certain contacts and in Facebook, for example, you can check see first, telling the platform that you care about the posts of that particular individual, especially. Uh, and you can also uh, manually go and see uh, each account and on their uh, wall you will see everything they publicly post or share with their direct connections such as you and the very act of doing that will update and improve 
the algorithm in order to tweak what you will see. But once again, to have an unfiltered fire hose, as it is called, of information coming at you all the time is not a solution. Now, the business models of the social network startups are based on advertising. And uh, we are uh, profiled, we are identified through our various types of behavior, both on the platforms and more recently via different types of tracking codes also off the platform, wherever we interact with a digital device, in order for them to better be able to offer us products and services that we are likely to buy so that their advertisers will see a return on their investment and put in more money and uh, keep the engine of the social network business going. Now, compared to previous types of uh, um, advertising that were available to corporations, this is infinitely superior. But of course, the flip side is the extreme degree of knowledge that the platform has on us. The naive uh, request is, well, at least Facebook should give me uh, what uh, my data is worth. And then I would be okay with being profiled. Well, it turns out this is not at all the case. On one hand, even though Facebook earns tens of billions of dollars um, through their advertising income, and they have uh, comparatively very little overhead, both in terms of the number of employees that are needed to generate that income and in terms of the capital expense uh, in their data centers. So they have a very, very high profitability. If they, for whatever reason, were to decide to distribute uh, that money uh, to uh, the people who are on the platform, that would be not a lot of money per capita. It would be just a few dollars for each of the 2 billion participants in the Facebook ecosystem between Facebook itself, Instagram, uh, Messenger, WhatsApp, and whatever else is already there or it's coming. And on the other hand, it is possible to participate in uh, the value aggregated and concentrated by Facebook. You only have to buy a Facebook share. And once you have the share of Facebook as a, uh, as a corporation, you will benefit from the money that they earn either through the appreciation of that share uh, in the future or uh, whenever they decide that they will start uh, distributing uh, dividends. Another uh, paradoxical or contradictory view that we hold around this is that we both complain about 
the unsustainability of money losing startups where um, hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars of investor money are burned and wasted and still the company cannot uh, find a path to profitability and at the same time we complain about the fact that um, Facebook and Google and uh, Amazon and others are excessively profitable exactly because they did find that uh, business model that enables them to to reap uh, the, the the profit that the others lack the content uh, that we are providing to each other and to ourselves uh, on these platforms is valuable as measured by the profit that these companies are making but it is also constantly being re-evaluated for additional different kinds of value that, that it can provide. And on one hand, we are excited and energized about the opportunity of sharing information freely. And we want this information to be uncensored and uh, to be able to express our points of view in, and to reach globally other people who have the same opinion as we do, then we get extremely upset if we are, for whatever reason, limited or impeded in our ability to make use of this platform for unfettered free expression. But on the other hand, we perfectly understand that it is crucial for certain type of information, uh, violence, abuse, um, and, and uh, false information of many different kinds to be blocked on the platform. Actually, we pretend that the algorithms that we complain about uh, in, when, when they are applied to other facets of the participation, the algorithms should be perfect in being able to um, select what unlawful uh, information should not be shared on the platform. Even more so because when those algorithms are not able to do so, um, large numbers of people are subjected to the soul-destroying job of actually having to make the judgment day after day, hour after hour, image after image, that that particular image or video or post should not be on Facebook and flag it as a consequence. So, do we want the information to be free? Or do we want the information to be censored? Uh, well, if the information is unlawful because it is uh, depicting uh, uh, violence or inciting hatred, violating laws, obviously it should be censored. But according to whose laws and what is uh, illegal in one place, not illegal in another, or what country actually uh, is actively 
uh, interfering with uh, the civil life of another because it truly believes that uh, the laws of that other country should be changed in order to better conform to the perception of the world of the first. And what should Facebook do? Should Facebook um, obey the laws of the first country, the second country, where it headquarters is, where the most money comes from, where the highest uh, number of people are adopting the platform, uh, securing future growth and benefit to its shareholders. It is a very, very hard um, problem to, to, to solve. And certainly, Facebook has not solved it, especially because not only uh, people of goodwill uh, are doing what they want to do um, and sometimes unwittingly violating uh, either the terms and conditions of Facebook as a platform or um, the, the, the laws of, of their country or another country. But there are very shrewd operators that are trying to subvert uh, either um, the uh, civil society of, uh, of a given group or community, or they want to take advantage of uh, the advertising platform, or they want to boost uh, the political chances of a certain candidate, or uh, undermine the opportunities of, of another one. So, definitely, being able to navigate the balance and evolve positively the platform is, is not an easy task. Now, there is a huge difference between the current platforms as we see them and uh, what the internet used to be 20 years ago. And the most fundamental difference, as I see it, consequence of which many others have emerged is the lack of interoperability. When the World Wide Web was invented by Tim Berners-Lee uh, uh, the, in the first half of uh, the 90s, so now um, more than 20 years ago, more than 25 years ago, the language that he created HTML, hypertext markup language, and the transfer protocol, HTTP, uh, were not perfect, but they have been widely adopted and they have served very well the needs of um, ever-increasing global community of solutions and services evolving with the times, introducing new features, but always maintaining its mandate, its objective of interoperability. Now, there have been attempts to subvert this as well uh, in the browser wars of the 90s when Netscape was leading first and then Microsoft took over and killed Netscape and then more recently uh, Google with uh, the Chrome browser um, took uh, the lead uh, even though uh, Safari uh, created by Apple 
and Edge, created by Microsoft, uh, have their own um, followers and, and supporters. And new browsers are also emerging, like the Brave browser that is based on a completely different advertising model and, and, and data ownership model. Well, these attempts always extended the standards of interoperability in uh, strange ways, uh, trying to achieve uh, their own advantage. But at the end, it was very evident that everybody would benefit from being able and point a browser to a website's page to a given URL and make sure that the information would be displayed, that the interactivity could happen, and so on. This almost never happened on the successive layer of social media and social networks that were created on top of the internet and web infrastructure. When you go to Facebook and you link <clears throat> a page or another user typing their name and the platform highlights that, uh, letting you maybe pick uh, the right one from a list of uh, plausible alternatives, and then once you post, that name is represented with a light blue background. That is the behavior that we have always had on the web of links, hyperlinks. And on the web, it has never been the case that the hyperlink that was valid for a certain website would become invalid on another website. However, today it is not possible to link one person on Facebook and to know that the text, if you copy and paste it on Twitter, it will correctly link the same person on Twitter. The syntax is different, the identities are different, the behavior of the platform, even the semantic, the meaning of what it means to link uh, can be different. And starting from this very elementary observation of the meaning and the implementation of the link, you can understand that more advanced behaviors on these platforms are also completely breaking interoperability. I think this is the original sin of social media and social networks. Starting from a point of ownership and a closed garden mentality, there hasn't been a sufficiently powerful movement towards finding standards, creating standards, and adopting standards that would allow a new interoperability to emerge. There have been attempts. For example, Google, when they uh, launched their messaging uh, platform, Hangouts, they created a gateway based on the XMPP standard that allowed anybody to interface 
and both receive and send messages to Google Hangout. So it would be possible for uh, one person to write on Google Hangout and the other person to receive the message on Skype or Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp and for the reverse also to be true so that somebody writing on Facebook Messenger could send a, a, a message to somebody using Google Hangouts. And then they stopped. They stopped providing it, they closed the gateway because none of the others wanted to use it. They decided there was more value in keeping the closeness, in breaking the interoperability, in holding uh, their users hostage. So what is the future going to hold? There are, as we speak, a couple, well, probably a couple of dozen, but let me highlight a couple of new uh, platforms that are emerging. MeWe and WT Social. In particular, uh, WT uh, Social, created by uh, one of the founders of uh, Wikipedia, is uh, aiming to subvert uh, the advertising model and the data ownership model of Facebook. The measure of success of WT Social and other new social media platforms is not going to come from how many direct connections they allow or how sophisticated their uh, algorithm is to show relevant pieces of information in the newsfeed. It will come from how ambitiously they will implement the interoperability across many platforms that the current generation of social networks are lacking. So good luck with the experimentation. We still have 6 billion people to connect. So let's give them tools that are empowering and emancipating rather than uh, enslaving and corrupting. And let's keep in mind what are the paradoxes of our complaints when we are uh, looking at the current solutions and provide feedback that is constructive in order to overcome and, and use these platforms uh, at uh, their fullest. Thank you for watching the context this week from Seoul and I am going uh, looking forward to uh, welcome you to the next episodes wherever in the world I am going to be recording them for you.